listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. (laughs) You're so excited to not be me. Matched you again. I match your energy just like in the dating world. I'm going to match you. You match the energy of the date you're on. And I'm just, you know, I'm helping. Exactly. And you're happy to not be me. So I get it. I don't blame you. (laughs) I hear that. Anyway, guys, we're your resident best friends here to help you along your relationship journey. Yeah, think of us as your very own fun fairies. We're bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust wherever we can because it takes a village to date and we are your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. This is helpful because it shows we have a loyal and growing audience. It helps us bring you fab offers and it keeps the lights on for us to keep running the village and the show over here for you guys. So contribute to the village, please do your part, tell a friend and let us know how much you love us. Yeah. No, never hurts to hear that. So you're about to pop out a creature and are doing all of the adulty romance things and like, you know, buying a house, all the things. So (laughs) we have to have someone in who's an expert on those things. So we have Heather Brooker in to discuss why she loves being married what her perspective is on people, you know, like me being single in LA and what motherhood is like in Hollywood. Yeah. She is definitely going to give us a lot of fun things to uh, discuss. And yes, the creature, AKA the baby, that's what we call um, the baby. Cause I don't have a name yet, by the way. So there's that too. Please, when you're rating and commenting, give us some names because, um, I need help in that department, <laughs> but we're also going to need help in some other things. So Heather's here to help with all of that. And if you're wondering, Heather is an actress, entertainment reporter, two time Emmy award winning journalist and TV personality. Millions of people watch her every week on NBCLA.com, where she is the trailblaze in the trailblazing role of digital entertainment reporter, the first ever at NBCLA, you guys. Wow. I mean, to be the first in like an establishment like that is pretty important and says something to also have the longevity. So not only does she manage the multi-layered responsibility of hosting and producing weekly entertainment segments, she also draws listeners in with engaging conversations on her Webby award-winning podcast, Motherhood in Hollywood, which is why we said she was an expert. She's an expert, guys. No question about it. She's known for her signature sense of humor and witty yet thoughtful banter with guests. Yes, and as an actress, she's appeared in over 40 films and television shows with the skills she learned at the Groundlings and UCB and top acting schools in LA and has a reach of more than a quarter million followers across her social media platforms. So everyone's interested in what Heather has to say and so are we. So we are excited to get her in here. So she lives in LA with her husband. We've established that. She has a daughter, Channing, and hello. She has an internet famous cat called Gracie, I love you. And we're sure we're going to love her. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hi, ladies. As you were saying that, I realized I should really um, maybe make my bio shorter. It sounds very braggy. (laughs) No, it does not at all. It's all (laughs) useful information to know where you're coming from. And like, 
I, I really love the cat part. Let's be real. But also here's the thing. If your bio doesn't brag about you, what's the point of a bio? And when would you ever brag about yourself? Like that's the only time. That's true. Good point. <laughs> that and your eulogy. So I think we go with that. Yes. You, do it, you can brag on like a dating profile, but you have to be careful there because if you come off sounding too braggy, then people are going to swipe left because they're like, ew, that's gross. So also this is where you brag and trust us. This is not bragging. This is like just you t- factually talking about the things you've done, which is, which are awesome things, by the way. So we know, we know that you are taken and you're in a relationship. How did you and your husband meet? Well, we met in college. We were both broadcast journalism majors um, who had dabbled in theater and uh, didn't meet actually until our senior year. He was actually like, uh, well, actually his senior year, he was a sixth year senior. He was taking his time um, through college, just living life. And um, I was a a journalism student. I had to um, co-produce a newscast with him. And um, we met and became really good friends. And uh, the rest is sort of history. We started dating and uh, he went into radio. I went into broadcast news and we kind of worked in different markets all over the country and then eventually found our way back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where I'm from originally, and his family lives in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And um, yeah, we've we've just been together ever since. We just sort of knew. I knew anyway. I knew right away, and it took him a little bit of time to realize, <laughs> as it does with most guys, I think. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because I felt like the same way with my current relationship, and I know that women tend to skew on that side a little bit more. I mean, we're generalizing here, but like, that is why women, I think are so afraid to like say what they want on a date because they already feel like we have this stigma where we all want to get married and have your babies right away. But I don't know. I think it's a little different. Tell us how it's different for you. Like it wasn't that you just were like desperate to get married. You're just maybe more in touch with your emotionality or what was it? Well, I definitely wasn't in a rush to get married. I mean, I was only 20 years old. I was still very young. I was in college. Um, You know, I've tried over the years to kind of explain it to people what it was. And it's just sort of this, it was a feeling of like peace in my heart. Like there was no turmoil in our relationship. I had had a college boyfriend who was just really mean and all about the drama. He would do this come here, go away stuff with me. And I was young and I didn't understand that he was just playing with my heart and playing with my emotions. And, um, when I started dating Chris, it was just this sense of peace and comfort. And I never felt like he was going to, um, not be there for me. And, and he was always very respectful and very kind and, you know, it just, yeah. So that's sort of the best way I can describe it. It was like a comfort that he brought to our relationship. And that is what I always say I'm looking for and why when I go on these dates and I get an icky vibe or like mm-hmm. someone sounds like they don't have their like shit together and they're like wavering with their life choices or like what they're looking for. Or even if they show that any element of that in their dating profile, I'm like, I don't want to go down that journey because I don't want that. That's not safe to me. That doesn't make me feel secure. Like in a world where you cannot like figure out what's going to happen from minute to minute, it's like, I don't want more things to worry about. And it's not like, I don't think, I don't think women are like, I need this man to come in and tell me everything's going to be okay. And take care of everything and, you know, pay for me and all this stuff. You know, I don't think it's necessarily that it's just a feeling of 
this person is not going to abandon me in a time of need, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're there for the long haul kind of a thing. And, um, you know, honestly, I have so many friends who are single in LA of all different ages and I do not envy my single friends at all. It's so hard to date in this town. I've seen so many friends who've had their heart broken and I just don't know. I, I don't know why it's so hard for the men in Los Angeles. And I'm totally generalizing here. Um, but they're just very immature. It seems like, and you can speak to that probably more than I can, cause I'm not dating anyone in LA, but it seems like they're well, very immature. You hear about it though. So you would know. And I, and it does. A lot of people say there's a lot of Peter Pan syndrome here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that Oh yeah, so many um, boatloads of women coming in or, or men, depending on if you're a man and whatever you like, but there's so many people filtering into LA on a daily basis because they're all coming from somewhere else. And it's almost like too many options. So people have a hard time settling down. There's so many reasons why it's hard for men in LA, which we've discussed many times on the show, but what is your, and and so that's a common thing. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite piece of advice? to give to friends, your friends who are single and dating? Is there something that constantly comes up that you find yourself repeating that you think is like kind of helpful for all of your friends, no matter what? Well, I think the one thing that I kind of tell my friends and I have to be careful because as a married lady, you know, it's tough because sometimes people dismiss my advice. Like I, you know, like being in a long-term relationship doesn't really apply to, you know, I have no idea what I'm talking about kind of a thing. And I'm like, I get that. I understand that. But I, I feel like I tell people to, um, don't be afraid to respect yourself. You don't have to go home with the guy on the first date. I mean, obviously if you feel like you're wanting to hit it and quit it, then, you know, do it, get, get your freak on. But like, you don't have to, um, you don't have to put yourselves in situations and, and, you know, date every guy that, that asks, um, you know, like my, I have a friend who I tease her all the time. (laughs) I'm totally, she's not going to listen. She may not be listening, but I'm going to out her on this, but she's like, Heather, if I let them put it in my pooper, they never call me back. And I'm like, then why are you letting on the first date? Why are you having like butt set? Like what is oh, happening? My God. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I am just an old married lady, but I'm like, does that seems very advanced? I sound like I'm like clutching my pearls, but I just was like, well, stop doing that. And she's like, but what if they don't ever want to date me again? And I'm like, well, they're not dating you now. Like what is what? So I just feel like there are people, the ladies don't be afraid to like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to respect yourself. It's okay to trust your gut and go, this isn't really my thing, you know, and hold out for somebody who does make you feel respected and, you know, comforted. Yeah. And I think that, listen, if you want to do any type of sex on the first date, that's great. Do it. Do it. Yeah. But don't do it or not do it for a result. I mean, a lot of women won't do it because they're like, if I do it, then he's not going to call me back. And a lot of women, you know, maybe do it because they think they have to, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. like if I, then he's not going to want to date me again. I say, do what you want because you cannot control somebody's actions with what you're doing. So at least do what you want in the moment. So you don't have any regrets in that aspect. But I think that's great advice. Like, don't, you know, be okay saying no or yes to whatever it is that presents itself, as long as that's what you really want, but not because you're trying to change the outcome or control someone's like, if they're going to call you back or not. Cause we all yeah. know that 
not going to work. We all know that. Yeah. It's it's self-respect. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a general concept. Like having self-respect is like, I think a universal concept. So when you said, you know, your advice might be dismissed because you're married, I think what you gave as advice is pretty general. So it's not like time sensitive to the times, for instance, dating apps are a different world altogether. What's very frustrating, at least for me, is when married people have said to me like that I'm doing it wrong. And so they'll say like, well, have you tried this? Or have you tried that? Or like, well, you're too picky. Or there's like some sort of judgment that's included versus advice and like support. And they're out of touch with the actual methods to meeting people and what mm-hmm. I face. Today. So instead of sort of asking me, what I face and more like being there as a sounding board and like a listener and support, they're telling me what I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, you don't think I already feel bad about this like awful cycle that I'm in, in this world that seems to be just getting worse in the world of dating and relationships. So like, why would you now think that telling me I'm doing it wrong is actually making any difference to me? So you feel like you just, like everybody, I mean, I, I get that just wants to be heard. Like, just listen to me and listen to what I'm saying. And I think so often we want to help people fix whatever we perceive to be wrong with them. And we hear, we got this advice and let me help you fix this or whatever. And sometimes it's nice to just have somebody listen to you judgment free um, and sort of be a sounding board a little bit. I have to remind my husband sometimes, I'm like, I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to hear me yell it a little bit <laughs> and then we can move on, you know? Totally. And the other thing too is like, maybe the first couple of times you just listen and then you know the the cycle or you know the process or you know what I'm up against or you swipe for me and you see what's out there so you now are fully aware of what I deal with and then you can offer advice. Because maybe you think I look cuter in a different picture. So we swap that out. Or maybe you're like, wait, you know what? You're this funny person. And you're not really highlighting your true colors in your profile. We know, I know that we can make this better. Like that's the support I think someone in my position would want versus being told, well, have you thought of all of these other things? Of course I have. I've literally thought of everything. I like make a PowerPoint presentation, map it out, do a business plan and then go date. So no one can tell me something I haven't already done. So I think it's more like, help me fix it once you really understand and like you're doing it with love versus like just trying to fix it so you can contribute to the conversation. Right, exactly. Yeah, nobody wants to just hear a bunch of like buzzword cliches like, well, have you ever thought about dating someone a little older than you expect? I mean, like, yeah, great. Like, you know, those those (laughs) are just like, yeah, okay, they could be helpful to somebody, but like, give us, you could do a little bit better than that. Like, let's dive a little deeper and see what it actually might be. Because if you've been dating long enough, you've pretty much tried all of those things that, you know, you're presenting here that aren't that creative. Um, I mean, I've been in LA long enough where I have had friends who, I've had many friends cry on my shoulder because of a frustrating and failed relationship. I have been there when friends get engaged to the person they found, you know, their person. Um, I've been a part of weddings. I have officiated weddings of people that I have set up on dates. So I feel like I've seen a lot and um, it's just, it's hard. It's so hard to date, you know, when you, especially when you're out of the, um, the dating zone, you know, like they say, you know, college or, um, you know, right after college or whatever, where people assume that that's where you're going to meet your soulmate or your person. 
it's so hard once you start to get older to meet somebody who isn't bringing their own baggage and their own issues. And then you've got your own issues and your own insecurities. And, uh, it's hard to meet that person who's going to be understanding. And also then you be understanding. It's just, it's very hard. And I don't, um, I have a lot of compassion for my single friends. That's for sure. Well, thank you. We Is that so judgy? I don't mean for that to sound condescending. Oh, I, I just am like, I feel for you, girl. I would rather the compassion than like other people being like, well, I don't know why you're on the apps anyway. It's like, well, how did you want me to meet people? If you're not introducing me to somebody and I'm at your house all the time, where do you think I'm going to meet them? Right. Right. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, we're all in our cars in LA too. You know, like everyone's constantly in their car sitting in traffic or, you know, whatever. And it's just, it, it's hard to meet people or now we're all locked inside because of coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, there's like always boring. something. Exactly. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm illness right now that it's not coronavirus, thank God. But yeah, there's definitely some things that, you know, especially in LA, it's so spread out everything's compartmentalized. If you, if you live in a certain part of town and then someone asks you to go to another part of town, you're like, Oh, I'm not going. So yes, <laughs> all that happening too. But now you are married and what, um, what do you like? We're talking a lot about the single world, but like, what do you love about being married and, and that partnership that you have? What are some of your favorite things about that? Well, I love that, um, like you said, it is a partnership. I love that I have somebody who can help me um, with my daughter. Uh, we have a six-year-old girl who's about to be seven in a few Ooh. weeks. And um, I hear her kind of lurking around outside the door. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but she's about to be seven. And, you know, he's a, a tremendous help in, uh, in support in my career and in my, uh, in my you know, in motherhood and all of that. And I think, um, I love that I have somebody who has got my back. Like it's not just boyfriend, girlfriend relationships and dating relationships in LA that are hard. It's friendships that are hard too. You know, I can't tell you how many people who I've invested time and energy and years of friendship into who end up being real assholes. And you're like, Oh my God, what (laughs) this person is insane. How did I not see this? Um, and then it's nice to have somebody to come home to or to explain the situation to and be like, am I the crazy one? Like, what am I missing here? Um, so it just, it, it's constantly feels like you have somebody on your team and on your side that's, you know, to keep you grounded and to remind you that what your goals are and, you know, who you really are. So that, that's for me, that's what I love about being married. Yeah. And you can find that in many relationships in your life. You know, I mean, I think, obviously in a a marriage or a romantic relationship, it's a very tight version of that. It's a very close version of partnership. But for those who aren't interested in stuff like that or are fun being single right now, like you can find partnerships with your friends or your coworkers or things that, you know, know, having someone there, I'm sure like at your work or on your show, Heather, like you can have those bonds with other types of people um, Mm -hmm. and just come from romance. But yeah, on in a romantic level and building a life together and having a child together. Yes. It is obviously helpful and on another level because it's like that bond is, is, is very deep. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And why okay. I want a husband also to fix things. Let's be honest. I know that you said you don't, <laughs> you don't always want them to, but like if someone could always fix things for me and I don't have to fix anything, I think that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound nice. <laughs> We need to take a minute to tell you about our new favorite site, 
No, it's not a dating site, but beauty. And it's called Cherry. Cherry delivers everything you need to know about beauty, skincare, and wellness products through product reviews from your peers, just like us. You know, your friends who tell it to you straight and are constantly reminding you to take care of yourself. And they also enable you to share your very own reviews of the products you're obsessed with and maybe not so into right now. These products range from every corner of the beauty, skincare, and wellness universe, which is our favorite universe aside from love. And they even have articles to keep you in the know. Which means you get to discover, discuss, and buy the most transformational beauty, skincare, and wellness products, minus the endless swiping left and right on products you'd face elsewhere online. You can focus on being beautiful your way. Check out Cherry at www.cherry.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-E.com. And make things a little less complicated by finding them on the App Store, too. Make sure you guys download the app and get ready to be a part of Beauty Without Barriers. I got some advice. This could be polarizing, but I thought it was kind of a cool piece of advice um, because I think it can sound a little bit like 1950s helpless woman, but it's actually, I think if you do this, it comes from feeling secure in your independence. But, um, you know, we're talking about gender roles sometimes on the show and they do exist. Um, I believe. And, you know, men like to fix things. Like we've talked about that. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't want it. You just want to be listened to, but they like to go in and fix things. And I, I heard this piece of advice once and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, somebody said that they're, parents were married for a really long time. And, you know, everyone asked that question to people like, how do you, what's your secret? Whatever. It's different for everybody. But this one person said that his mother said, I know that my husband likes to um, like feel needed sometimes and not in an unhealthy way, but she said she cultivates that feeling sometimes. Like she could change that light bulb. She could reach that thing, but she asked her husband to do it because she knows that it makes him feel good to like help her with something and to feel needed. And so she would like say, Oh, I honey, I can't reach this. Can you help me? And like, she just knew that it made him kind of smile and feel good. And so she would do it every now and then. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, it can be with anything really, but I thought that was kind of a cute piece of advice to like know what your partner sort of likes and, and don't lie about it. But you know, you, you make that you, you pay attention to that. You give them what they need and want. Maybe you are, want to fix something, but you know your wife just wants to yell and you need to listen, so fucking listen. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, a give and take and being aware of what your partner needs and what, you know, would make them happy too. I mean, so often we get caught up in our own issues and our own needs and our own head that we forget <clears throat> there's another person there who may also have needs and be caught up in their own insecurities and and all of that stuff too so yeah no that's great I totally agree with that so yeah. you mentioned also that you like having him help co-parent and all of those things now how has having a kid changed your married relationship well uh probably a lot, uh, like a lot of other people, we're a lot more tired. Um, we, it's getting better now that she's a little bit older. It's more manageable. We definitely have a regular routine, but, uh, it's definitely forced us to communicate more. I mean, we're, you know, we have just one kid. I can't imagine, you know, people who have like three or four or five or whatever. Um, 
but it, it definitely, we have to plan things more now. There's, we're not, we don't get to just jump and leave and go to Vegas on a whim like we used to be able to do. Um, but it's not, it, it, we were always pretty good communicators before we had a kid. So it, it really didn't make that much of a difference. Um, but it's definitely fun. Like we love our little, our little family of three. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I'm about to have a baby and mm-hmm. I know, and, and James, my husband has a daughter from a previous relationship. We have a 10 year old and now we're about to start all over again. So, you know, obviously there are times where, you know, we already know what it feels like to have a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having a baby is like a totally different story. You're like out of the baby world now. How did, I mean, is it so much different when it's a baby? Obviously you're more tired, but like, I'm nervous about not about like becoming two ships that pass in the night or like not paying attention to things that all of a sudden now it's been three months and you're like, we haven't had sex. Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, that can happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that can happen early, especially early on. Like you're both so tired. You're both just trying to keep the baby alive, you know, and like get some sleep whenever you can and maybe eat whenever you can. And, but you sort of find your rhythm. I mean, ideally you find your rhythm and you, um, but yes, that definitely does happen where you're like, Hey buddy, I miss you. Everything, you know, how are yeah. you doing? You know, you forget to have sex for a while and you're like, Oh, when was the, when did we do that last time? Oh, okay. Uh, it's, I forgot. Uh, but it's yeah. definitely, uh, definitely challenging in, in the beginning. That's for sure. I do remember that a lot. I had, a, I had to have an emergency C-section or un, yeah. unscheduled C-section, I should say. And, um, it was not, so those first few weeks were not at all what I had planned and I'm a planner. So, um, we just had to work on our communication. He had to get very patient with me because I was hormonal and tired. And I tried to be patient with him because he was also tired. He would get up in the mornings and, and help in the middle of the night as well. So just being patient, I think with each other uh, and understanding, because like, especially for first time parents, like so often we, as women say, Oh, this, everybody puts the attention on the mom, which is great. I mean, they absolutely should, you know, but we forget too, that dads have never been dads before either. And there's an expectation that men should also automatically know how to change a diaper and how to verbalize that they need to offer help and, and that sort of thing. Like they don't know unless we tell them, Hey, I need you to help me with this. You know, I need your, I need you to step up in this way. Um, cause they've never had kids either. So yeah, we, we kind of expect, a, we assume a lot from our, from the guys. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point to bring up. Like definitely communicating, like, can you do this thing instead of just expecting because you're both in it, experiencing it in your own way. And like, there are some common things like being tired and being worried or whatever that you're sharing, but it looks mm-hmm. different for everybody. So checking in is the key, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Is great advice. I'm going to need to be doing a lot of that. <laughs> it's so hard to remember though when you're like in, in the middle of the night and you're like, I'm so tired and my nipples hurt and I just want to go back to bed. And then he comes in in the morning, you're like, Why did you help me with this or whatever? But yeah, I mean, you're both, ideally, you're both there, you know, helping out. And I know that's not the case for everybody. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who are very much feel like the onus is on them and they're the only one parenting and that's got to be very hard very hard. And you are a reporter for NBCLA, as we mentioned, and Mm -hmm. 
you, so after you went through this baby phase of like staying home and taking care of the baby, then you had to go like back to work. So how do you balance this job that you have and being a mother? Like, I know there's a lot of mommy guilt that goes into that. Like, how did you find your rhythm per se in that new phase? Well, um, I got my job, uh, well, I used, I was a reporter for many years before I moved out to LA to become an actress. Um, and I was on a bunch of films and television shows and, um, then we decided to have a baby and I, you know, as you guys may know, it's like, well, you're waiting for auditions to come in. You're like, hello, uh, is this happening or what? So I was just kind of waiting for auditions. And we also, uh, in the entertainment industry don't have, um, offices to go to as actors or like hosts or reporters or whatever. There's not generally an office to go to every day where you can swap stories about motherhood with other moms. Um, because we're all kind of on a freelance basis waiting for job to job and auditions and whatnot. So my daughter was about two when I decided to start motherhood in Hollywood as a podcast and kind of start inviting moms over to my house just quite frankly, to make friends. None of my friends at the time had kids. They still, my close friends still don't. And, um, I really just wanted to make a community and find other moms who are like, Hey, I know what you're going through. Or I could be like, Hey, how did you navigate this when you had last minute auditions or, you know, work for a week? What did you do with your baby? You know? So I just kind of started the podcast and then it kind of grew from there into a website and, um, I started kind of talking about entertainment and my love of movies and my love of parenting. And, um, my, uh, I worked part-time at NBC as a writer and, um, my news director was like, I love what you do with motherhood in Hollywood. I listen to your podcast all the time. And, you know, I love your social media stuff. He's like, did you ever, would you ever think about getting back into reporting? And I was like, Oh no, no, I left those I left that career years ago. Now I'm going to be a star. Uh, He was like, well, how's that going? Um, But I was like, yeah, I definitely would consider it. So we talked about it and he's like, would love it if you would come and do what you do for motherhood in Hollywood, but on our digital platforms. And, um, you know, I was like, that's great. And they let me sort of set my own schedule. And since nobody else had had this position position before me, I was able to kind of say, pick my days and navigate what worked best for me and my life, um, uh, at the, you know, with a kid. So, and, and that's how it's sort of been ever since I feel very lucky that I get to do that. And they're, um, super supportive and, you know, I love working at NBC. They're very family friendly, very family oriented there. And, um, so that's kind of how I do it. I just kind of set my own schedule and, um, I'm still able to pick up my daughter from school every day. And my husband takes her to school every day and, uh, so far it's been pretty great. Well, it sounds like you've mastered like the balance aspect of things, but do you think parenting in an area where the industry has so many pressures could, you know, make keeping up with all of the other moms hard? Like, is, are there things that separate you from them? Um, I mean, I think so. I think this industry is hard for moms in particular because, there isn't a lot of support in terms of childcare in the industry, especially moms. Like it's not just actors who are in front of the camera or, you know, reporters or that sort of thing. It's, you know, the support crew, your stylists, your makeup and hair people, you know, like everybody in the industry, um, 
if they want to be, if they're parents, they also could use some support. And there isn't a lot of support because I feel like the entertainment industry for so long has been, you know, we're going to work as long as this day, as long as it takes to get our shots and, you know, everybody else be damned. We don't care if you have a family or not to go home to. Like, we got to get this movie made. We got to get the show made. And there was never a priority on family because it's all mostly run by men and still is. And, you know, women in generally are the main caretakers. And so now I think we're, we're kind of starting to see a little bit of the tides changing and more women are becoming showrunners. More women are becoming uh, directors, executive producers and, and saying, Hey, this isn't jive with me. Like I want to get home and see my family and then are going, wait, we can do that. What? Um, so there's definitely conversations happening. There's an organization called women, um, uh, in wait, is it women in film? Oh, I was about to say the wrong one. But um, there's definitely um, moms in film. That's what it was. Moms in film who are trying to advocate to get childcare on sets for um, parents who need it, whether you're mom or a dad. So I That's think there's, awesome. yeah, it's so awesome. So there's definitely more conversations happening now to cater towards families and to put, um, make it more of a family friendly industry because it really notoriously isn't and hasn't been. I had a casting director um, on my uh, show this week. I haven't put the episode up yet, but we talked about how there are conversations she has in the room with producers where if a woman has a baby or a child that there's concerns that she may not be available to shoot for, you know, long days or be able to commit to whatever project they're casting. Like those conversations still happen. And they shouldn't, we should be able to, a woman should be able to have her child and not worry about her career or losing any ground in her career or whatever. Yeah. And it's also unfair because men have kids too. And nobody's worried. Oh, I just had a baby. Exactly. Exactly. Some dude comes into the casting office. It's like, I'm a new dad. Yeah. I have a month old daughter. Nobody's like, Ooh, he's going to be unavailable because listen, it's the same. Like you just expect the woman. That's part of the problem too, is right there is that they expect that the woman's doing all of the things for the baby. And so now that's just continuing to be the cyclical noise we hear. We're like, okay, so now if you're a woman and you have a baby, all that expectation falls on you. And that's just, I know plenty of, you know, my husband was a stay at home dad for his daughter for, uh, he was the caretaker for like a long time because that, that was their situation and that worked for them. So there's plenty of times where, it's not like what we think that it would be. And men are just obviously as capable of taking care of a baby. But yes, that stigma is like, it's all up to the woman. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that's something that's slowly, I think, starting to change. More and more conversations are happening and more and more. And what it comes from is more and more women being in charge um, and g- telling the guys, hey, these people want to get home to their families. They may not speak up and say it to you, but I will say it to you. And like, I want to get home to my family. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, I don't know if that answered the question you no, asked me, totally but did. I feel like yeah. I went off on a tangent. No, that's, um, that's, and, and you know what, honestly, I don't think we ever really thought about, um, you know, women in film and how there's not childcare on sets and things like that. And the conversations that happen behind closed doors, it's all very much connected to just the, the generalization that people feel about women and having kids. And this industry is, really hard. The Hollywood industry is really hard to be in. Like you've got appearances to keep up with. You just had a baby like that can be hard. There's a lot of pressures that, um, you know, it's helpful to hear 
and no matter where you live, because everyone deals with pressures, this is just a specific type of pressure. Um, it's helpful for anyone to hear that we all deal with. And it. you also see on Instagram and like all of these different platforms, people bouncing back. And then you like see it happen so quickly. And you're like, wait a second. How, first of all, how do they have all the time in the world to be on Instagram? And how do they look like that after having a baby? So that is like another layer of pressure that you wouldn't even have faced years ago. But now that's what's happening. And it's so like front and in your face that it's hard not to try and, you know, mimic someone else's path. But I think it's great that there's like a, a new insurgence of people posting the realities and actually how hard things are and more sharing their truth about it and building a community around people that actually want to talk about issues they face versus a pretty picture. Yeah. I mean, Instagram is such a... Um... You know, it's such a double-edged sword for me. It's because I love it. I share my life on there. I built a platform on there and I mean, built a following on there and I enjoy it a lot. But um, you go on there and you're right. You do see people who have these perfectly curated pictures. And I like a pretty picture just as much as the next person. Um, but it definitely does give a false sense of like, especially now that I'm sort of in that mom, you know, space or whatever, I now know some of the stories behind what these women are posting. And I know that they had a huge fight with their husband right before they posted that picture. Or I know that they're, you know, having a lot of mental health issues, but they're posting that they're, you know, everything's great and sunny days or whatever. And it's, you start to kind of go, this is not right. Like it's difference in sharing your highlights. Like this is a fun thing I did today. Versus t putting up a false sense of who you are. Um, and that's what's frustrating to me about Instagram. I just, it, it uh, I love it. And I also just get really annoyed with it. <laughs> like, like I'm sure a lot of people do too. So I try not to compare myself to what anybody else is doing. All I can do, do is what I do, share what I share. And if it resonates with somebody, great. And if not, that's okay. It didn't cost me any money to put up a picture, so... Yes, it definitely is. And we, I mean, I agree with you on that. Like Instagram has its positives and negatives, just like everything in the world, but you got to take it with a grain of salt, right? Like share your highlights. Don't, and, and, and we want people to be honest too, but you also don't want to like air all your dirty laundry. There's a balance, right? You know, right. use it for what it is used for. Um, you know, like sometimes you'll be scrolling along and someone is like, just unleashing all of their like stuff and you're like whoa this feels really personal <laughs> yeah it's I definitely think it's like use it for what it is it's a way to connect people and show some fun things and be real at the same time and we know you definitely do that on your pod which is so fun um and speaking of that you had super nanny joe frost on the pod recently i did yeah what, what was your favorite i'm sure she was chock full of like amazing things but like what stuck out to you in that interview that was like your favorite piece of like advice she shared or a tip she had you know, we talked a lot in that episode about um, devices and screen time. That's a very hot button issue with a lot of parents because um, it's so easy to give your kid um, an iPad or a cell phone or something for them to stare at for a while or plop them down in front of the TV. I mean, I grew up watching television, you know, while I was waiting for my mom to come home from work or whatever. So it's hard not to rely on screen time sometimes to be a babysitter. 
And we talked a lot in that episode about the, um, the harm that it can do to kids uh, emotionally, mentally, and their development. And um, we also talked about how parents get in their own way sometimes because they don't say no. Like they're afraid of hurting little Timmy's feelings or whatever. They're afraid of um, their kid not being the one that has the coolest shoes or the hippest, you know, purse or whatever. So they don't say no. And then they end up raising very spoiled, very entitled kids. And once you've sort of done that, it is real hard to rein it back in and, and reverse course, uh, especially if you have like a teenager who is that way or whatever. So she had some really good advice and, and interesting insights about, um, especially in Hollywood, like how to not raise entitled kids and yeah, just how to do be you aware of screen time. Well, I, I, I think like what she basically said was just don't be afraid to say no and don't give them everything they want and everything they're asking and stop trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, um, just live your own life and, and teach them to have enough confidence in themselves to live their own lives and not be like anybody else, you know? Absolutely. Speaking of trying to be like other people, I'm trying to be like The Bachelorette. So <laughs> you had Deanna from season four on your show. Um, do you have any thoughts about Pilot Pete and what is going on there? Okay. So are you guys big Bachelor fans? So we have like a weekly viewing at my apartment with our girlfriends who also have podcasts and everyone has a lot of opinions and things to say about it. So yeah. We've <laughs> been very invested in this season. Well, as I told Deanna, and she and I have been friends for a while, I was like, please don't hate me. But when I first met her, I didn't know she was on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I just knew her as my mom friend. Um, and I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I can't, I, it is so, fr- it is so frustrating for me to watch because I'm like, what are they doing? I just don't understand. Everyone seems like they're just humping this one dude. And like, what are they going to get out of it? But then I realized, you know, some of them become huge celebrities and they get hosting jobs and they get like reality shows. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what they're getting out of it. Um, She was great, though. She talked about how she um, met her husband on not on the show, but her husband's twin brother was, I guess, one of her suitors on her season of The Bachelorette. And she met her husband through that way that's how she met her husband so now they have two kids yeah she was great she's so fun and she's so nice and she's just a really like she's also trying to kind of figure out what where her life is and what she wants to do after the bachelor but she was on like season four of the bachelor i don't know what season they're yeah, on now. Was season four. yeah they're on like season 77 no I'm yes <laughs> yeah i know i'm like it's some crazy number but she was on like kind of early on in the beginning before i think it's before I think it was the craze that it is now. Um, and then she was the bachelorette as well. So she's kind of, I think, trying to figure out what she wants to do. She does moms and cars with our friend, Christine Lakin. And um, is just kind of trying to, you know, figure it all out. Kind of like we all are out here, but she's great. She was so, she's so lovely. And in your show is chock full of these types of guests that are just giving advice and, um, commenting on what their experience is along with you being a mother in Hollywood. And it's so specific here. So we thank you for all of your wonderful tips and, and opinions on, you know, 
your single friends and the advice that you give them and, and how motherhood and Hollywood affects you and, and the guests that you've had on. So it's been so helpful to us. Thank you again for sharing all your wonderful advice and remind everyone where they can find you on social media and your show. Sure. Well, you can find um, more about Motherhood in Hollywood at motherhoodinhollywood.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Heather Brooker. And I'm also on Twitter and TikTok. What? Wow. At Heather Brooker. <laughs> I'm obsessed with TikTok. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I hope... Um, I hope, you know, people enjoy it and I hope they don't think I'm being like a judgy old married lady, but I definitely love being married and I love talking about being married. So anytime ladies. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Not judgy at all. Your perspective is your perspective. And that's why we like to have people from all walks of life on the show because dating and relationships affects everybody. And so we love to hear everyone's opinion and yours is definitely valid. So thank you so much again. And don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, Jenna Corby, owner of the company consult, the closet editing company that helps you revamp your wardrobe. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at complicated show and it's complicated wherever you get your podcast rate and comment and tell a friend. And you can find me at Jennifer golden on all the social media platforms. And where can everyone find you? You can find me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social media platforms as well. And we will be back next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 